Hey, welcome to Vine Church Fort Myers podcast. We are glad that you took time to listen. We pray that the message of grace empowers you today. In a very unique way, God aligned in our uh, Bible study to be in the Mother's Day. I call this message, Grace Loved Us with a Motherly Love. A Motherly Love. Grace is the expression of God's mother's side. And he's expressing this uh, through Jesus Christ. We're going to dive into the word together. So bow your heads, please. Just close your eyes for a few seconds. Father, I pray that you bring revelation, God. Our hearts are ready to receive the powerful, inerrant, oh, two-edged sword word of God that divides, that cuts, that separates what is from our natural mindset to the things of heaven. We want to learn what is in your heart today. We pray in Jesus' name and everybody said, Amen. Galatians chapter 4, verse 19 and 20. Galatians chapter 4, verse 19 and 20. Apostle Paul says, My little children, my little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth. Until Christ is formed in you. I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. Now, Paul is sharing this letter to a church that initially opened up their hearts to the grace of God. They started very well. They had a good run. Until a moment that they thought, you know what, the way to be a mature Christian, it is going uh, into the practice of religiosity. If I am more religious exteriorly, if I am just in the appearance of religiosity, I will be a more mature Christian. And Paul, try every argument you can think on convincing the Galatians that the way of maturity, the way of really enjoying uh, God's uh, uh, childhood, God's sonship rights. It's not through the law. It's not through the legalistic, religious way. It's not in the merit-based relationship. It's very important you get that, that Christianity, it is not a new doctrinal religion set of rules. Christianity, it is an invitation of a relationship of knowing and being known by God. Say a good amen in the house. Now this, this attempt of Paul, he tried his best in chapter 3 using theological and even legal terms to convince the Galatians. Telling them, look, you are a rightful son. You are meant to enjoy all your freedom. You are redeemed. You are not a slave anymore. But now, now Paul is not reasoning anymore. He's not using any more theological argument. In chapter 4, he is making an emotional appeal. You know, every husband knows exactly what that means. So you, you have a disagreement with your wife and you reason with her, right? So you bring your reasonable argument to explain her, look, our finances doesn't fit in this, you know, uh, vacation dream you have. 
Uh, and she you're going to bring her emotional arguments. Look, but our family deserves that. Summer, we didn't travel nothing this year. Since COVID, we are locked down. We need to do something. And you guys argument, you guys reason, you guys use all your intelligent, intelligent arguments until the moment that the woman decides to cry. And if she cries, my friend, you lost the argument. There is nothing you can do because now she's appealing to her emotions. You know what? It's interesting because Apostle Paul gets very close to that appealing right now. He actually appeals to this uh, uh, relationship, uh, this father, this motherly relationship with the Galatians. Like, I generated you guys uh, in the church of Galatia, I, I, I brought Christ to you guys, and now you guys are dismissing all that, all our relationship. So Paul is it's making that a strong emotional appeal because he, he tried the reason before. And he actually says that he was suffering again that childbirth pain. Now, let me explain that what it means. It's that Paul is not, uh, again, caring about himself. Every mother I interview about what will be, what is the meaning of anguish of childbirth. All the mothers told me is not about my pain itself. It's not what I will suffer during the labor moment. I was, yes, I was kind of concerned. I was worried about my pain. Some even told me that they were worried even to die during the labor moment. But ultimately, all that anguish was surrounding the kid. In other words, if I die, who are going to take care of my kid? I'm not worried about my pain. I'm worried that during my labor process, would my child survive? Would my child come to this life with healthy, with health? Will, will my, my child have all the proper treatment? So all the anguish that I, like all the meaning of anguish of childbirth, the most mothers told me has to do exclusively with the children. 2012, when we had to move from Pensacola, uh, our first church planting uh, experience in the United States, Northwest Florida, I remember that my main concern was not that maybe my life will be harder here in Southwest Florida, which, by the way, was not. Uh, but my concern was exclusively with those brothers that we have to leave behind over there. Would they actually survive? Would they actually keep walking with Christ? There is this anguish. There is this anguish in every good pastor. There is this anguish in every good leader, good parents, good mothers. And the anguish has nothing to do with ourselves. It has to do with, is Christ being formed in my sons, in my, the members of my life group, is Christ being formed in, in my leadership? They pay the price. They drive extra hours if needed. They invest financially. They put time and energy. They make it a priority to form Christ in their life. It is more than raise educated children. It is more than teaching morality. It is more than reason traditions and bring them in the future a valuable inheritance in this world. What we are called to do, it is to form Christ in our children's life. 
A frustrated and disappointed leader told me that he didn't know what to do anymore. Pastor, I invested everything. I spent money. I spent time, hours of conversation. But it seems that people in my life group doesn't want to change. What did Paul do to change the Galatians? Number one, he wrote the letter we have in our hands. We are reading this letter. He was writing them what was in his heart. He tried to communicate with them. But look what it says in verse 20 again. I wish I could be present. Which implies that Paul could not actually talk in person with those brothers. How did Paul, the most successful church planter that the Bible brings, how Paul, this spiritual father, could actually do something good when he could not be present? I believe that those who love praise. If you really love someone, you're going to pray for that someone. You're going to really pray for that, that person, that kid, that child, that member in your life group. So let's bring prayer back. Undoubtedly, most of the anguish of childbirth that Paul suffered has to do with prayer for the brothers. When you think about Paul could not be present because most of his time he was in jail. So how did he actually edify, build up, he planted the churches. Paul made the church grow through prayer. He prayed he pray for the lost. He prayed for the disciples. He prayed for the spiritual children and about us. We pray for our family. If you want to see a change in our children inside of our homes, we pray for them. If you want to see growth in our life groups, we pray for the members of our life groups. We pray there is nothing more powerful than prayer to move the heart of a person. Pastor Tulio shared with me a story of a young man coming to one of our life groups that was a troublemaker. He will always be there, but only to bring controversial subjects and, you know, just create quarrels and useless discussions. The matter got so big that the leader asked help for his disciples. The disciples tried to help, didn't resolve. He came up to Pastor Tully and ultimately came up to me. So the boy was a problem. So he decided to pray for the boy. We just started to pray and, you know, bring his name before the throne of God. And suddenly, out of nowhere, we know where it came from. It was through prayer. This boy in one night had this crazy dream. He had a spiritual experience with God while he was sleeping. And the result is that now he's committed. He is always present in the group and he's always willing to help. Something shift his heart that was not made by the efforts of the leader, by the, you know, uh, the teachings of his mother, by the education he received in the school. The change happened because someone prayed for him. So yes, there is pain sometimes in prayer. And that's why I need to remind you that not all pains are a problem. There are some anguish and some discomfort that is part of blessing someone. So pain is not a problem when it has to do in forming Christ in others. Pain, it is part of the growth. Growth that sometimes involves parents. Investing hours, time, energy, but mainly prayer. Now, it's interesting because people are very willing to help in the church. 
when it has to do with doing things. By the way, we actually repainted our ceiling for the Mother's Day. We cleaned it up, the foyer for you guys. And I had volunteers to do that. That is great. That is a need. And obvious, uh, we are more than uh, glad that if you want to help us in the media production, if there's, you know, there are needs here. However, the utmost need is to have disciple makers. To have disciple makers, and I know I might not find many volunteers for that because that implies into having Christ first formed in you so then you can form Christ in others. Form Christ in others requires patience, prayer, and love. Sometimes even getting into a spiritual battle. But once you have that mature Christian formed because you invested, because you laid your own life into, and you poured your own life into their lives, there is no greater joy. I see this is my two sons. My two sons are very strong believers, and I'm really glad to see Christ being formed in their lives. But believe me, it's not by chance. It's because me and my wife intentionally measure no costs to promote their walk with Jesus. We drive them, we pay whatever we have to pay, we pray for them, we lay our hands on them, we uh, talk with them, we invest everything we can to form Christ in their life. So, right now, every night, and I mean every single night, my boys cannot go to bed without first asking our blessings. They ask us to lay our hands on their lives and bless them constantly. And I mean that. Like sometimes even when they are sleepy, they are, you know, uh, sleepwalking, coming to my room, asking for us to bless, him, bless them before they go uh, to sleep. So I want to generate Christ in each one of my children. And this includes you as our spiritual children. Here in Vine Church, we love you. We, we care for you. We care for your family. Definitely, we want to see you succeeding, having prosperity and health. We want to see you getting married. And if you are married, we want to see you being blessed and happy. But above all, what we want is to see Christ formed in you. And we know that we can do this just through the preaching. We pray for you. We fast for you. Now, the problem of the church of Galatians is the problem of many brothers. They had Christ in their hearts, but now as teenagers trying to grow themselves with their own efforts, they were rejecting the grace that God had given them. And now they were turning aside to the free and the delivering and fatherly relationship, and they were embracing this religious kind of relationship with God. Instead of entering the blessings, Instead of enjoying the blessings of a mature children, they were under the curse. The curse of the law. That's interesting because, you know, my boys, they, uh, I drive them every single day to school. Every single weekday to school. And sometimes I wonder why they are not even driving themselves to the school. It would be much easier for me. Why? It's because even though my car is not only my car, 
Even though my house is not only my house, but it's their house, their car, they don't have the maturity to enjoy all that inheritance. Maturity is what gives us the leverage to enjoy the legacy. There are some children that are listening to me right now that are still stuck in their spiritual walk because they did not grow up enough to enjoy the inheritance of the mature children. Say amen, everybody. And that's what Paul is going to try to lead us now. He's going to go into this illustration in this of allegory to show us that the only way to grow up is he is walking in the identity of the free children. And I love when the Holy Spirit does what he did today, just aligning a message that fits perfectly in a Mother's Day such as this. Let's go to Galatians chapter 4, verse 22 until verse 31. So it's a long passage, it's 10 verses, but you're going to actually... Uh, get the story. Look what it says. Tell me, verse 21, you who desire to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman and one by a free woman. Two mothers, one slave, one mother, free woman. But the son of the slave, verse 23, was born according to the flesh, while the son of the free woman was born through promise. Now, these may be interpreted allegorically. These women are two covenant. These women are two covenants. One is from Mount Sinai, bearing children for slavery. She is Hagar. Now, Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. She corresponds to the present Jerusalem, the place of the Jews. She corresponds to those that are under the law. For she is in slavery with her children. 26. But the, Jeru but the Jerusalem above is free. And she is our mother. For it is written... Rejoice, O bearing one, who does not bear, break forth, and cry aloud, who, you who are not in labor. For the children of the desolate one will be more than those of the one who has a husband. 28. Now you, brothers, like Isaac, are children of promise. Hallelujah. But just as that time he was born according to the flesh, persecuted him who was born according to the spirit, so also it is now. But what does the scripture say? Cast out the slave woman and her son. For the son of the slave woman shall not inherit with the son of the free woman. So brothers, we are not children of the slave, but of the free woman. Say amen, everybody. Someone is going to what in the world is this story? I didn't get a thing. Okay, let me give you a background very fast. You guys remember that the Jewish nation, the Hebrews, they had a patriarch. The first of the Hebrews. Do you guys remember the name of the first Hebrew patriarch? Anybody? Abraham. Abraham is the first patriarch, right? That, that birthed, that generated the Jewish nation. Now, the story in the Bible tells us that Abraham had two um, 
wives. One was not a wife, was a concubine in the time of the ancient time, permissible thing, that somehow generated a son. Now, this concubine was actually a slave, was a slave that generated a son, a son called Ishmael. This son was the result of Abraham, pay attention, trying on his own effort, trying on his own participation, help God in the promise. And the story of the Bible tells us that God said, I don't need your help. I promise you, you to be a father of a great nation, but I don't need your help. I need your faith. The only thing I need from you, Abraham, is your faith. And you know what God did? God waited Abraham to lose all his strength. When Abraham had no possibility in his own body and health to generate a son, when he was 100 years old and Sarah, his, his legitimate wife, was 90 years old, God gave Abraham the promise. Now imagine the scene. We have this 90 years old woman coming to the doctor, sitting in the waiting room with the 20 years old, 25 years old pregnant mothers. And the other girls look to that elderly woman and ask, what in the world are you doing here? And now... Sarah has nothing to explain but to laugh. She laughs and he, you know, giggles because there is no explanation. How in the world she, in, in her 90 years of age, were able to get pregnant? What did you eat? What did you drink? What is the medicine? What, what, how is this even possible? And Sarah will laugh. Laugh so bad that she actually called her son laughter, Isaac. Isaac is just a big expression of God's humor. He says, I don't need your help. I need your faith. And when you give me your faith, I give you my promise. Now, it's interesting because Paul now is actually teasing those that in Galatia was trying to push the brothers into legalism. Into the works of the flesh. So Paul is asking, I got you Jewish people, I got you Judaizers, that you are a descendant of Abraham. I do not disagree with that. I see that you are a descendant of Abraham. No problem with that. The question is, who is your mother? Are you a, a son? Are you a child of the slave mother? Or are you a son, a child of the free mother? That's the question that Paul, we're going to ask the Judaizers. And the question here is deeper. He actually compares these two mothers. Saying, I got you that you are a children, uh, that you are children of Abraham. But are you from the flesh? Or are you from the promise? Verse 23, but the son of a slave was born according to the flesh, while the son of the free woman was born through promise. To be born according to the flesh is to be born by human effort. Whereas to be born through the promise of faith is to depend exclusively on God's grace and power. The flesh always prefers the law. 
But grace only comes when we provide faith. Actually, those who try to please God by the religion way, by the legalistic way, always end up in the flesh. How do you see yourself? Look in your life. When you see your success, when you look to your financial success, when you look to your family and how your children are such a nice, intelligent boys and kids and, and daughters, how you see all these assets, these blessings in your life, are they there because you are the most handsome, intelligent, amazing person? Is it because without you, you never exceed and succeed in your life the way you are? Or do you see all these blessings, all this success as God fulfilling His promise? Even when you did not deserve, God was faithful. His grace favored you. How do you see your own life? Is it from the flesh or is it from promise? Now, this also points to a way, come on, mothers in the room now. How can we raise our children? Look, definitely you have to tell your children, look, study hard, work hard, be proactive, don't be lazy. Couch potato produces nothing, only YouTubers, nothing else. Yeah, there are some rich YouTubers, but believe me, they are just like soccer players. It's very one in a thousand. And usually they work harder after they become YouTubers, very hard. So in the, other, in the end of the day, yes, we have to teach our kids that it is through hard work. It is actually going after your dreams that things come in your life. However, don't extreme this teaching because if you miss the point that without God's favor, even if you are the best in the room, even if you are the most intelligent in your classroom, even if you are the most creative uh, 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 girl in your ballet class, Without God's favor, you won't go further. So teach your children that to work hard, but always depending on the promises. Are you guys with me? There's more. Paul questions the Galatians. I got you. You, you Judaizers, you legalistic people, you are children of Abraham. But are you from Sinai or are you from the heavenly Jerusalem? Sarah, the free mother, represents grace, while Hagar, the slave mother, represents the covenant of the law. Sarah generated a children according to the grace. Believers that are in the new covenant, they have their hearts in the things of heaven, not under the law, free from sin and death. Because they are free from the law and all condemnation. Romans chapter 6, 14. For sin will have no dominion over you. Come on, somebody say amen. And why? How? How you are so free? How you don't worry so much about doing and don'ts? Because you are not under the law. But you are under grace. There's more. Galatians 5, 1. Paul insists. We're going to press on this point next week. But he insists for freedom. Christ has set us free. Isn't that crazy? Like God set us free, but some of us, pay attention to me, are still under bondage. 
bondage into legalism, bondage into, you know, this bargain relationship with God, this merit base with God. If I do, if I perform, if I fast, if I do my religious duties, now God, here it is, my invoice, pay me back a hundredfold. I, 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 here God, my tithes, now it's time for you to multiply no matter what. What? That's not the kind of relationship. We're called to, to have a free relationship with God. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm therefore and do not submit again to the yoke of his slavery. And his slavery here it has, is not to do with sin. Because we already learned that sin is not a problem anymore. Pastor, are you saying that if I'm going to raise my children, I am a father, I am a mother. And I want to raise my children uh, uh, into grace. But if grace means debauchery, if grace means no limits, I don't want to raise my kids under grace. You are missing the point. Grace have limits. Actually, the limits of grace are more freeing than any limits of the law. It says that one day, uh, these mothers were discussing what to do with their kids in the playground. Because in this fence-protected prot playground, the kids were running wild. They were just like, you know, throwing balls in each other, running. They were being kids. Because there was the fence. Until one liberal mom says, you know what? This fence is just uh, hindering our kids of creativity. We need to take apart this fence, this limitation. And now, after a couple of weeks, the mothers noticed that the kids were not playing dodgeball anymore. They were just like two feet apart from one another, throwing balls very close to one another. Because in case they were playing wild dodgeball, the ball will be run over by a car. One of the kids were, the kids were not playing tag like, you know, little animals anymore because now they don't have the limits that protected them enough so they have to play just their iPhones and their tablets. So the limits of grace does not produce slavery, but it produces freedom. It gives you freedom. It gives you protection. However, the limits of the law gives you the fear of dying. Actually, gives you the, the, the fear of punishment. We are called to be spiritual children. We are called to generate spiritual children. The true descendants of Abraham are not physical, but spiritual. Galatians chapter 3, 14. So that in Christ Jesus... The blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Romans 4.16. That is why it depends on faith in order that the promise may rest on grace. And be guaranteed to all his offspring. Not only to the adherent of the law. Adherent of the law. But also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham. Who is the father of us all. Everything in the Christian life is a spiritual experience. That has practical implications in our life. When we allow the work of grace in our lives, believe me, you'll be more free. But free not in the sense of being wild, not in the sense of being sinful, but in the sense of being free to deliver others, to be used by God. We are first spiritual 
in order to change the exterior. Religion goes on the other way. We have to change the exterior first in order to seem spiritual. Ishmael, the son of the slave mother, was born according to the human strength. But Isaac, against nature, supernaturally, was born by the promise of God. If you are born again, if you really were born again, your new birth is a supernatural experience. Like Isaac. Because we believe we are born of the Spirit. But if you're still trying to work your way to heaven, you are only born naturally. You must born supernaturally still. The problem is when those that began in the Spirit now want to keep the way of the law. They will always fall into the flesh. What is our mother? Are we sons of the free mother? Are we children of the free mother? Galatians 4.19 again. My little children, for, him, for whom I am again in anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. There is no way. The only way God's purpose will be fulfilled in your life is if you promote grace in you. If you permit yourself into the freedom of the children of God. The children of Sarah are the children of the free woman. She also represents the heaven in Jerusalem. What kind of children of Abraham are we? Although similar, they essentially, fundamentally are totally different. And what is the result of that? Pay attention because now things get very good. The Bible says that those that walk by the flesh will always persecute those that walk by the Spirit. Those that are legalistic, religious people, they will always persecute those that walk by grace. They walk in the freeing way of God. You know that? That is true that the world doesn't get God. That is true that the world cannot understand God. But religion is the greatest enemy of God's move on earth. It was religion that crucified Jesus. It was religion that tried to hinder Apostle Paul's ministry. Let me tell you something. It is religion that is going to try to make you... Defeated, afraid, we're going to make your spiritual life numb, cold. And because of that, we have to expect some sort of persecution. Every time you are growing in grace, they will always have someone to show up and say, no, 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 this is, you are not getting the true spirituality. No, my brother, I think you are mistakenly understanding the Bible. But the truth is that the legalistic believers, sometimes, even not Christian at all, they, maybe time, many times not even born again, they want to resist you. And why do they resist you? Because the true inheritance only comes for those that rely on grace. Now let me say this again. 
Because if you are naughty still, enjoy the inheritance of the children of God. If we still just defeat it. Your Christian life is lukewarm. There is no joy, excitement, adventure there. Let me say something. You are not enjoying the promise, the inheritance of the children of Abraham. But God wants you to enjoy it. He's waiting you to mature in His grace. The way to grow is not going back into legalism. The going, going back into religiosity, appearance of things. But it's going into grace. Romans chapter 8, 17. I'm going to close with that. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Provided we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. I'm going to pay attention here. There is this dual fate of those that are growing in grace. In one side, we suffer. We suffer misunderstanding. We suffer people mocking about our faith. People actually blaming us that we are prideful. You think that God loves you more? No, I don't think God loves me more, but I know God loves me. Oh, you think that you are the favor of God um, not that I'm the favor of God, but that's, that's, it is a fact that God definitely favored me. I, I know that. And how do you know that? I just trust His grace. I just trust His goodness. Now pay attention. Together with glorification, there is persecution. Paul actually keeps saying, verse 18, For I consider... That the suffering of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Let, let us always stand up this morning. And let me remind you that if you are a children of the free mother, together with the blessings together with the promises. Pay attention in me. They will have some persecution. They will have some misunderstandings. But don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Keep growing grace. Keep growing in His unmerited favor. Let the blessings of God surprise your friends. Let the grace of God be a motive, be a reason for friends around you. Be puzzled and wonder how this is even happening with you. Let those around you look to your blessings and wonder, how did you even got pregnant? How did you even got this business successful? How, how does this even better? You are not the most intelligent person. I know you, man. You are not the most creative person. Girl, I know you. You are not the most intelligent person in our class how did you even got there and let people around you be wondering wondering about the favor of God in your life how do you experience that you rely on grace you depend on grace you trust his grace I don't know how many of us here ever invited 
grace into your heart. I named this message today that grace loves us like a mother loves a son. But honestly, the Bible goes above that. The Bible says that grace in Jesus Christ loves us even above any mother could love a son. The prophet says that even if a mother will be able to reject their, her own son, her own children, I, the Lord, will never forsake you, never leave you. With your eyes closed, I want to give you a